This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. There's this great book called How Doctors Think that introduced me to the concepts of heuristics, which are all the mental shortcuts that people use to make decisions and solve problems. For example, if every time you went to the grocery store, you thought about every single item you chose and compared them and made a list of pros and cons for each item, you would never leave the store. So we have all of these mental shortcuts we use to choose something familiar. In medicine, it helps us make a diagnosis by recognizing a pattern we've seen before rather than starting from ground zero like a first-year medical student might. We often take how we think and how we learned to think for granted. Maybe that's why we think babies are so charming. They don't know a whole bunch of stuff that we know. It's almost like adults are all in on a bunch of big secrets. Babies learn pretty quickly that objects fall when you let go, but watch their surprise when a helium balloon goes up when you let go. They might be delighted and laugh, but we're not surprised at all. In the last episode, infant cognition researcher, Dr. Sue Hespos, told the story of how freaked out her dog was by a helium balloon. Some of our early cognition, how we think and learn, is shared with other species. The way humans and animals gradually develop perception, memory, language, and thought That's what's known as cognitive development. And there are researchers who study it. You can sum up my research by saying babies think before they talk. And it is this thing that every parent that has interacted with a child knows that you can tell by the way they do eye contact, the way their body physically responds, how they relax, how they smile, how they engage that there is something going on inside that head long before the first words emerge. That's Dr. Sue Hespos. She's a professor of infant studies and leader of Baby Lab at Western Sydney University. She and her colleagues research how babies think and learn. She's going to share how their findings can help you interact with babies to support their cognitive development. And as a special bonus, she's also going to share what artificial intelligence and machines can learn from babies. Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. When does cognitive development start? We know it starts in the womb. On the last episode, we learned that babies can taste in the womb. They hear sounds and develop a preference for their own mother's voice before they're born. 
So we know that talking to your unborn baby makes a difference. Parents do this all the time. They talk to mom's belly. Most of your baby's cognitive development happens naturally. Unless you blindfold your baby and put earmuffs on them, they are going to see objects and start to learn about how objects move in the world. They're going to hear and smell and learn from their experiences. But you can also help their development along and understand how your own mind works in the process. The other thing to pay attention to is to learn their cues. Try to read when a baby wants to engage and when they want to be quiet and snuggle. I talked about all of these things with Dr. Sue Hespos, and here's what she shared. I always offer these three things, which is, where are they at cognitively? Are you teaching them a new task? It doesn't have to be physics. It can be painting, and it can be painting with baby food on the top of the high chair. Are they having fun and playing with whatever's in front of them? And are you changing the challenge so that they're not just doing a repetitive task, but now you've changed it a little bit and see how they generalize that to the new situation. So they were, they were painting with orange baby food. Well, throw some Cheerios in there and see what they do when there's objects in the stuff that they're playing with. You as a parent will have days where you win they love it. And then you change it up again and they love it more and you change it up again. And now they're like giggling and having fun. And that's a wonderful experience. But there's also days that you lose where you completely overwhelm them and they start crying. Well, then that's a message to you to, you know, reel it back a little bit and take them back to a safe place where if they were having fun with just the orange goo, let them play with the orange goo, go back to that. And then they're like, oh, wow, this person gets me. They're going to want to interact with that more. So it's this give and take. Again, you can't always give kids everything they want. That's not how life works. And so as a caretaker, you have to find situations where you say, this is playtime. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to engage with you and and you get to lead. Whereas there's other times like we are getting in the car and you are going to get into that car seat whether you want to or not. And it's non-negotiable and we do it every single time we get in the car. And that's just the facts. So we have to teach our kids these, you know, give our kids a variety of experiences. But when there's time to play with them, it's the quality of play that matters more than the quantity per se. And it doesn't have to be expensive toys. It can be the storage containers in the kitchen. It can be playing with dirt on the floor. (laughs) Um, It should be safe, but other than that, um, so meet your kid where there's at is one of the things. So one, try to always teach them something new, get them to learn something. There's the social stuff. The way that you understand the world and the way that your child understands the world are very different. And so try to understand the problem that your kid is trying to solve. It may not be the problem that you're trying to solve. And so it's it's a negotiation. And what our science seems to be showing is that kids are really socially sophisticated from a very early age. Talk over their head sometimes. It's okay. You can say to your kid, you know what? I'm a little bit upset with this traffic jam. A six-month-old does not understand cars or traffic jams. But for you to say, I'm really upset. I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad at the traffic jam. And now we're going to be late. And the, and the kid hears the cadence in your voice. And they're you don't know what they're picking up. But you can offer more than they're available to pick up on. And they're going to pick up on something. And then the next time, they're going to pick up on more. And they're going to pick up on more. So don't be afraid to always cater to your kid. Sometimes you're going to go over their head. And sometimes you're not. And sometimes you're going to win. And sometimes you're not. 
But understanding and having an awareness about what levers to push is something that I want to encourage parents to do more. And then, so there's cognitive, there's social, and then there's also biological. Is your kid going through a growth spurt? Is your kid not sleeping well? You know what? That day is not going to go as well. And so don't try to overachieve on those days and give up sometimes. Cancel the music class because you don't, you think they might come down with a cold tomorrow and it's just not going to go well if you go there. And it's okay if you don't hit every single mark. You know, you reminded me of a study that I read recently. I think it's an old study where parents had a toy with a child and when you put a block on different sections of it, it had different functions. And so with one group of kids, do you know this one? Mm-hmm. So the parents, when they demonstrated, this is my understanding, when they demonstrated the use of the toy, the kids didn't play with the toy as long as if you just gave them the toy. They played longer with the toy if they didn't know what it did and they found hidden features. And I just think that's really illustrates what you're talking about is that we give them room to learn. And that's kind of what you're saying is parents need to just give them opportunities. Exactly. I don't know what specific study you're talking about, but those kinds of studies are actually very current and and they are showing us this question about some cultures are very directive with their kids and some cultures are more let the kid explore. Some cultures demand that every single kid in the art class make exactly the same art. And other cultures, more like the American culture, are like, express yourself. And little Johnny and little Sammy don't need to have the same art by any means whatsoever. None of these are right or wrong. They're different cultural expressions. They are different learning opportunities for the kids. And kids are flexible. So anybody that has more than one kid will tell you that even if these kids are identical twins growing up in the same environment, they are going to be very different in how they react to things. And so try to find what you can do to tailor to your kid's experience. Because if they have these opportunities where they're playing with a toy and they discover something new, like you could do that with the the storage containers in the kitchen, right? Like show them how to unlock the, uh, you know, the storage container and they'll, and then put a cool toy inside of it and lock it up again and see what the kid will love it. And then give them a different one that opens a different way and see how they generalize that knowledge. So it's, you can create these kinds of situations of learning. And sometimes they'll look at your fabulous toy and they'll be like, yeah, I don't care. And that's too bad. Maybe they'll discover it on a different day. But some kids really like exploring. And then at certain times of the day, I I do this too. I'm like, could you just do this for me, please? I'm tired. I'm hungry. And so there's going to be a, a, a variation, even within an individual child, on what day they feel like being exploratory and what days they don't. That's very powerful coming straight out of the mouth of a baby cognition researcher. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people 
and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here's the thing I think is really challenging about this. And that is that I'm a pediatrician and Dr. Hespos is one of the world's experts in knowing where babies are at. So how is a parent supposed to know what a baby wants or needs at any given moment? Dr. Hesbos shared a bit more about how to read your baby and meet them where they are at. Playing with them is a way to figure it out. It doesn't have to be a sophisticated MD, PhD credential level of play. A lot of play is, is not that, particularly in the first several years and for most of life. But, you know, kids are in school, even preschool kids, for 20% of the day, but there's so much learning that happens in the rest of that time. And to just approach learning opportunities, like in the grocery store, ask a kid, can you find me red things? How about triangular things? I can't find the apples. Do you see the apples? It's engaging them socially. It's offloading some of the tasks. The older kids could actually like, you know, go get stuff for you and help your shopping experience be more helpful. And they like to be bossy and they like to be in control. So let them take charge when they can. Again, they're getting exposed to language. They're listening to the cadence of your voice. Like, are you speaking slowly because you're chilled out and you have plenty of time to do this grocery trip? Because last week you had 10 minutes and you were talking really short. <laughs> and, and so they learn that. They learn social emotional stuff. They learn language exposure. They learn how you're moving the cart. Is it jerky because you're in a rush and you're angry? They're going to pick up on these things. So don't worry about always taking your kid to the museum per se. If you like the museum, go to the museum. But kids learn plenty. When you talk to any parent that has three kids, four kids, the youngest kid is along for the ride. And they learn just as much at the soccer game sidelines at the grocery store while doing waiting in line for, you know, at most any tasks. These are all opportunities to engage with your kid. The general take-home message that, that I think are worthwhile is try to meet your kid where they're at on that day in that context. You will never have complete flexibility. Kids need to learn how to adapt, but engaging with them in a way where they're challenged but not overwhelmed is a great learning opportunity. The key to figuring this out is trial and error. Every baby is different and has different thresholds for how much stimulation they can take. Over time, you become the expert on your baby. And those times when the baby is crying and you're frustrated, kids are still learning and growing. They're learning about frustration tolerance, how to calm down, and how to express that they're upset so that you understand them. It kind of all happens naturally. There is a connection between parents and children that enhances their learning, and that connection has developed over thousands of years of evolution. That's why the other effect that research into infant cognition has had is on informing the development of technology. We humans are very sophisticated, and understanding that sophistication can be applied to artificial machine learning. Humans develop language, we develop technology, 
we develop a more sophisticated culture than we have seen in other animals. And this is why babies are so fascinating to look at, right? Because they haven't had a lot of influx of culture or language or learning experience. They're sort of novices on all of those fronts. So again, babies have initial knowledge that seems to constrain how they experience their world, and then they elaborate it, and they elaborate it through experience. It's fascinating for looking at us compared to other animal species. It's also fascinating looking at us versus artificial intelligence. You know, with all the powerful computers that we have, we can't build a, a robot that can navigate any everyday environment as effectively as a one-year-old child. And we have come a very long way in terms of getting computers to do everyday tasks for us in impressive ways, but they don't do it the same way that a baby does. AI has learned and could learn more if they looked at babies, right? Babies are a fabulous example of an amazing learning machine. And this is a gauntlet that was tossed by one of the leading AI people back in the 50s. So it's not a new idea and it's not a mean idea. It is to say, we have millions of years of evolution on AI and they sure have powerful computers, but our brain is pretty powerful. What we learn is that if the task before the baby or the AI algorithm is go learn about the world, babies have limited processors, meaning their memory development is still quite immature, their visual development is quite blurry. And people often think of this as like, oh, that's bad, right? Their visual acuity isn't as good as yours and mine. That's a problem. It turns out that actually might be an advantage. Part of the advantage is that they get less input. So they can handle, they don't get overwhelmed. They can handle what's coming in. And so AI tries to engineer the problem by just having more and more powerful computers. But the most recent and the cutting edge Google things are looking at ways to be selective about the input. So our attention mechanisms do the, you know, some of the filtering for us. And then obviously there's so many more variables that humans have that computers don't, right? They don't have moms, they don't have dads, they don't have social cultural structures that provide a huge amount of support that can't even be approximated in a robot. Infant cognition researchers like Dr. Susan Hespos have uncovered several ways that AI programmers and parents can support their offspring's learning and cognitive development. Here's what we learned and what you can do. First, respond to your baby promptly. If they are crying, try to soothe them. If they are trying to get your attention, talk to them. This helps build a secure attachment, which is crucial for cognitive development. Talk to your baby. Engage in conversations with your baby from an early age. Even though they may not understand the words, the tone and rhythm of your speech are great for language development. Read aloud. Reading to your baby exposes them to language, sounds, and visuals, and they hear words that you don't use in everyday conversation. Choose colorful and interactive books with simple pictures. Rhyming books are also a really good choice for young kids. Explore their senses. Provide opportunities for exploration, such as allowing your baby to touch different textures, listen to various sounds, and explore with safe objects. Make faces. Babies are highly responsive to facial expressions. 
mimic your baby's facial expressions, and engage in simple games like peekaboo to enhance social and emotional development. Listen to music. Expose your baby to music and singing. Research suggests that music has a positive impact on cognitive development and emotional well-being. Play. Use age-appropriate toys and engage in interactive play. This helps babies develop motor skills, hand-eye coordination, and problem-solving. Establish routines. Babies love routine. Establishing consistent daily routines helps provide a sense of predictability and security. Do the same thing at the same time every day so your baby knows what to expect. Remember, each baby is unique, and some babies might not like looking at books, so find a different kind of book. These suggestions are just general guidelines, and they were also written by an AI. I asked ChatGPT, what can parents do to help their babies learn based on the findings of infant cognition researchers? And this list is what ChatGPT generated. I bet if I could ask a baby and I had a baby translator, the baby would say, just give me all your attention all the time. But we can't ask them yet. As you listen to that list, I bet you thought, I'm doing all of that stuff. You are doing all the right stuff and your baby is learning even if they cry and are fussy sometimes. They learn from that too. For more from the pediatrician next door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.